This week on the Open Nesters podcast with Jonathan Pillen. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. You know, Mama Gina teaching you to like embrace your inner pussy and all of that. Who's doing this for the guys? And the only way to do it for the men is to have women in the room, too. We need conversations between women and men in safe spaces. Welcome to the Open Nesters podcast. How will you write Act 3 of your life? Will you be open? Will you welcome the possibilities? Are you going toward your most vibrant, authentic stage of life? Are you curious to discover what's ahead? Are you in a fork in the road and wondering which path to follow? Would you like to hear from others who are already writing Act 3? Hey everyone, I'm Tessa. And I'm Amir. Why be an empty nester when you can be an open nester, living on the edge of your curiosity, on the fringe of your imagination, reinvention, and sexuality? Together, we'll take a journey and explore how rich this stage of life can be when we approach it with an open mind and an open heart. Tessa, I had the opportunity to meet Jonathan Pillett, JP, through you, just about uh, three weeks ago, I believe. And I don't come across men too often that do what it is they said they're going to do with the highest integrity possible. And JP is one of those people. And I have tremendous respect to that man for that and for his wisdom, experience in uh, I guess, perspective on life, family, in his open nesting stage that he's in right now. Thank you. I, I do think that we have good value judgment on, on, on as we get older and wiser, knowing how to connect to the people that have can bring and create more value in life. And that is how I feel about him, that he calls himself an artivist. And yet, if you look at Jonathan Pillot, P-I-L-L-O-T dot com, he's done so many things, so many different ways to bring film and music and art and and community together. And I just am inspired by this journey that we're now taking with him by collaborating on things about the Open Nesters and his new project, which is about unlabeling people you'll hear about. Yeah. So let's hear it from the provocateur, JP. Welcome to the Open Nesters podcast, Jonathan Pillett. This is so fun for me to be able to interview you, and we'll get into why in a minute, but welcome to tonight. Absolutely. To well, welcome, Jonathan. We're happy that we can't even see you a lot, but it's okay. Uh, the dark and the candles atmosphere that you've created seems to be just fine for us at this moment. Absolutely. Excellent. Glad to hear. It's a joy to be here, you guys. Um, to know you and to get to know you is uh, quite special. I think you are unique in the ethers of the world um, and how you roll through life. And it's really um, such a beautiful thing. Well, we are not really an expert in anything. We just uh, us. And exactly. it, we rub sometimes to the people with our lifestyle differently than what they really uh, like. But regardless of that. Uh, hey, a lot of people like me. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty well liked. So uh, <laughs> I think that's pretty true about, you know, so so that's not true. I well, actually, I, I, what, he gets he when once people know him, he's he's really liked. So that's the truth. I just well, happen really to be a bigger draw. The <laughs> oh, that's the way God. the world works. That's life, the way the world love works. at first sight. Jonathan, I'm, I'm blushing here. Yeah. Listen, why won't you uh, tell us about you? In, in a 90 second or more, if you like, what brings you to where you are today? And then we'll talk about how we met you. So um, that's an interesting question. What, what brought me here? It's, you know, as we all know, it's everything that's led up to here, right? Every single event. And um, I'd say one of the biggest parts of me is that um I've always been someone because of how I grew up and that was interested in expansion. And I've always been a seeker. 
And so it's really um, <clears throat> one of the underpinnings and ethos of anything that I do is about being a bridger, bridging people between and among age and race and ethnicity, um, gender, sexual identity, geography, political affiliation even, you know, it's um, how can we bring people together to expand? And I was an entertainment lawyer for many years in New York and a film and theater producer and all of that. And about 20 years ago, I imploded my life. Um, I was married and two kids, eight and four at the time. And I just, um, my life wasn't working and I realized that um, I needed to do something about it from the inside out. And I knew where, I didn't know where I was going. I knew where I, wa uh, where I didn't want to be anymore. And the secret part of me really um, unfolded me over the last years as an artist, as a creative, as what I call an artivist, somebody who's uh, um, engaged in social activism and using uh, my artistry or my interest in creativity, mostly as a filmmaker, photographer, writer, and also a provocateur, uh, someone who never really was great, probably. Um, well, I was very good at following rules for most of my life and then realized that conforming, I always ended up feeling bereft and something was missing because I wasn't sort of courageous enough to really break through my own uh, perception, my own labels, my own beliefs, and um, embarked on a journey of uh, deeper self-discovery. And uh, it has led me to launching a movement and a brand called Unlabel Me. Our tagline is label me to see me, unlabel me to know me. And um, I think that applies to some of the things when you guys were introducing me just about how we all get labeled and being liked or not liked or what it is. And so my work is very much about trying to tap into uh, people who can elevate me the, and we can elevate each other in the mutuality of, uh, of goodness, of joy and the things that um, I grew up in a lot of sadness. So to meet people like yourselves who really embody joy is such a huge mirror and illuminator for me. That is such a good point of convergence for me to talk to you about, about how we're connected, because I feel that sense of expansion in you and the collaboration that we created instantly. So this is why this is so cool is when, is when you, when you're mirrored by someone who's in the right space that witnesses the, a, a place to expand. And this stage of life offers us so much of that opportunity when we're actually wise enough to have developed into these people that we're becoming, still becoming. Oh, and jo Jonathan and I met because I got on field and I've never really been on a dating app. And as many of you know, in the open nesters that I talk about how, so Amir and I are in an ethical non-monogamous relationship for half of our marriage. And I had had a boy and have a boyfriend or had a boyfriend that now we're not seeing each other for many years and so I didn't really have any big need. I mean, so funny. Some people have labels of calling it polysaturated. I don't really like that term. I don't think we have to be saturated. But I decided to get an app a few weeks ago. And within 10 minutes, I was, only, I was the one that gets to choose who I want to see. So I don't have other people seeing me on field. There's a way to do that incognito. And I, I tapped, I talked to Jonathan and a few other men. And Jonathan and I connected about so many interesting things that we had lunch right away. And then we created a collaboration because of what the kind of work he's doing. It just kind of just mushroomed, just this idea of expansion and letting people come into a community to feel each and see each other without a lot of that judgment and assumption as you talk about. Mm. So I do right. feel like there's so much in this mix of creation at this stage of life. And we'll also go into your kids and how that's impacted you as far mm -hmm. as your story. But I do feel like we, we can notice things differently by witnessing. It's true testament to Jonathan's uh, personality for being a connector, a prov provocateur, and really that got us to do the event in the village, of course. But I want to take you back, Jonathan, to the moment that you converge and you realize that your life is not going 
the way they are. And the state of mind that you were at that moment, I mean, you were not an open nester yet. You were just, uh, the kids are four and eight. And here you are trying to look for a different direction. I mean, how, how did that feel at the time? Well, you know, the thing is that <clears throat> I don't think in my experience, <clears throat> excuse me, in my experience, we sometimes don't realize like where we are until we're not there anymore. You know what I mean? Like if we realized potentially how unhappy we were in the moment, we would have done something about it. And part of that is protection, self-protection, you know, for me growing up as uh, I did as uh, the nurturer, a caretaker, my mom was sick when I was, <clears throat> when I was young, it was always about other people's needs. And that becomes very true when you become a parent very often, you know, it's, It's actually at times challenging when uh, you're a parent to hang out with people who may not be parents, not because you're better or, or, or someone's better than you or anything else like that. It's just that you have different experiences. And I think one of the things that parenting does is it forces you to put your shit second, you know, <laughs> and uh, at many times. Um, and so I went along uh, because I had this notion that I needed to be um, the perfect dad. Um, I certainly wasn't the perfect husband in terms of I was married to someone very incompatible to me and it was painful. And yet that person who didn't want to disappoint anyone else just slogged on for a while. And I happened to go uh, the universe like uh, um, conspired in so many ways that found me at my oldest friend's oldest child's bat mitzvah in Miami uh, many 20 something years ago. And so many events opened my eyes, including having brunch with a, an ex-girlfriend from college who looked at me and I was reflected back. The mirror of her eyes wasn't about desire. It was about, holy shit, someone's looking at me with optimism and not what I had grown accustomed to. And I remembered coming back to New York and I, I had a friend down in Miami who I was staying with and I came home from that brunch and I said, I'm a goner, I can't stay married anymore. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I just know it. And I went home and it took eight months for me to actually leave. And at some point I realized, because I'm an and person, I think people are and people and people tend to be or people. And I realized that there were two things. It was like two trains heading towards each other on the same track. One was, I can't imagine not waking up with my children every fucking day. And the other train heading there was I want to live a joyous life. And after 14 years of being in marital therapy of a 14 and a half year marriage, that I know that nothing is really going to change. And so someone like me, when confronted with an or, it only could really be an or, that I had to choose the unknown. And that's always what I've done. I've made choices that have been confounding. And it was scary. I remember uh, I had a, a friend, um, who was a matrimonial lawyer at the time, we went out to dinner and not as I was going to be a prospective client. And she said, can you afford to get divorced? And I said, well, financially, probably no. And emotionally and spiritually, it's the only thing that I, I feel that I have to do. And I just feel like, you know, people would say, oh, you're so courageous. And I, you, you don't do things like that for courage. I did it to save my own life and save my kids' lives because it's just what seemed to be apparent. And, you know, that's been the beginning of the next chapters in my unfolding, for sure. Were you able to save your kids? Um, well, actually, uh, no, actually, in the sense of they're both fabulous people. Uh, I love them dearly. I, I was actually a, the primary parent for them in many ways during um, their formative years. They lived with me full time. I had a very atypical journey as a divorced father, uh, very. 
And I knew that in many ways, when you're with uh, a partner, which is why I love exploring with you guys conversations about relationships, is that I actually got married to probably the least compatible person I've ever been with in many ways and chose to have children there. And I'm not a victim of that. I made a choice for kind of when you know it, like very obvious Freudian reasons, right? We are left with the results of our choices. And so I knew that towards the end of my marriage and then afterwards that on some level, I felt like I was fighting for the soul of my children. And right now going through the most painful period of my life uh, as a parent, where my eldest child, my daughter, my beloved Maya is not talking to me right now for the last four months and navigating. She's 31. She's 31. 31. And it's, um, I can't even express how painful it is. A friend of mine asked me today who I hadn't talked to in two years. uh, Is it, do you carry it with you every moment? And I said, well, it is with me every moment. I mean, I never know when it's going to pop in. And yet what I learned very much from parenting also a child child who has bipolar, the challenges in so many ways is that a parent needs to really hold their own because it's hard to parent if you go down with the ship. It's hard to parent, you know, in that way, if you're really in total disaster, inside disaster. And so I've been engaging in as much spiritual practice in all ways that I can over the last four months to really be able to hold my space, to talk about it in this way so it unshames and destigmatizes what's going on. That same friend who asked me if I carry around, we've known each other for over 20 years. And when I told her yesterday, when she called out of the blue, And she knows Maya and she knows and she said, um, oh, my God, this is an epidemic. And I said, what do you mean? She said, I know four or five other people, beautiful parents, beautiful people, the most caring parents, the most caring in those relationships who whose kids around the same age, early 30s, that kind of stuff have disengaged and. Thank goodness for this uh, this book that I'm reading called uh, The Terms of Estrangement, which I recommend to anybody who's going through or knows anybody going through it, because it's it really allows you to see all sides and also not beat the shit out of yourself every moment for how could I do it? And if you don't even know why it's happened, and that's true in my case, for me, who wants to be understood and wants to take deep dives and let's work through this instead of going around it, the unknown part, and I've just had to sort of accept it and figure out ways to try to be patient and also proactive and, and never letting her not know for too long that I'm still here and I love you unconditionally. And let's talk about whatever you want to. What a beautiful father you are. Thank you. And I want to say I that the, to the attachment thing to our children is probably oh. the hardest thing Oof. in the spiritual realm. We are so attached to their pain. And yet I've gone, we've gone through something with our, our daughter as well for two years with it, with her trauma that I couldn't be attached to her pain because she wouldn't let me mother her anyway. Mm-hmm. And so the idea was, how do I learn to know that their pain is their pain and we can only stand unconditionally in our love and don't have to let ourselves hold the the full pain and it's so it's so challenging and so and such the work to do as an example that you're setting to say that there's no shame in doing this work and admitting that it really hurts yeah we found in many of our interviews that there is some it it's not really an epidemic it's because it's an isolated case by case because everything is different but yes we found that the fact that a parent cannot be totally engage with their children when they become adults, especially when they become open nesters as parents, it is a real, uh, you know, you get to a point where you want to be already peace with the, the fact that your children are all set. They have a, perhaps married, perhaps they have a home, perhaps they have the career that they want. And when you don't see that, you don't get that peaceful feeling. 
it is really painful. And there's various degrees of that and various extreme, especially when we are in that open nesting stage. Oh, my God. It's just, you know, it's like you put all of this into a hope, right? Into what you imagine, imagine your kids being. And we all have attachment to our own, trying to give our kids what we know is needed. And it's not. And part of that's driven. I mean, even in my work, you know, with Unlabel Me, so much is driven by the notion that so often children can't get what they need from their parents and parents can't always get what they need from their kids. The kids can get it from other people's parents or other adults and vice versa, because we're it's so fraught with so much, right? Our own dreams and losses and all of that. And how I used to say, honestly, in marriage, I mean, to the mother of my kids, I mean, how important it is. You got to get your own shit out of the way, right? right? Like that anxiety that you have about X is going to breed anxiety in other people. And how do you kind of expand and, and hold the space and lay the foundation? And so there's something, I mean, listen, you know, Maya's doing something that I never had the courage to do, nor did I have the permission, nor did I have the family situation that I could do it. My mom was sick and dying for much of my life. And so it was like, oh, it was so much guilt around that and speaking your truth and I hate you. And, you know, you'd hear about these things and no, no, it was always like accommodating. And so somehow maybe there's pride in being able to, you know, help to co-create a child who can feel courageous enough to sort of do that. And, you know, God willing, the story ends in a better note, because people are always prone to say, oh, she'll be back. You know, she'll be back. And the truth is, there's no guarantee, ladies and gentlemen. There's right. no guarantee. There's no guarantee about anything. So the so right. this, this this stepping into unexpected, you know, maybe uh, takes the pressure off us labeling us doing always good or bad. Are you doing how are you doing? Are you good? Are you bad? Oh, like, yeah. There's so we even labeling that to the very tiniest, minute way of, of, of discussion that we have in our lives. And that's what we were trying to break. And I love you mentioned about intergenerational because we can't always learn from our parents. And you and I discussed the fact that the idea of people coming together from all generations, which is what happened at this event that you we created in three days so yeah. spontaneously from 27 to like an 80 year old that came in, these 30, 40 people that wanted to hear about relationships and breaking paradigms and stopping to and not labeling and how we cannot define things with such binary terms. I mean, uh, it's you know? so true. It's so true. I was um, I don't know if you've ever been uh, to Kripalu. Do you know Kripalu up of in the course, Berkshires? I've been there many times. And, and um, I used to have a house nearby. And uh, when I was married and years ago, there was a, a guru. Guru Dev was there and um, he sort of, you know, fell from grace and while he was there, he would do lectures and there were videos and he was, he is a very wise, you know, human, uh, flawed character. And I remember when he said, what is it about Western culture that we have to label? Literally, he used that label everything. That was a good experience. That was a bad experience. That was, and it leaves us in, as you said, a binary, you know, approach that we're seeing doesn't work. It doesn't work in politics. It doesn't work in life. It doesn't work emotionally. We are all on a spectrum of everything, right? Right. Somebody's over here at the one yard line. Somebody's the 30 yard line. Somebody's here. I love this. I hate that. If we would only allow people to hold opinions, to speak from opinion and not fact, this sucks versus I hated that are two different things, right? One breeds argument. I loved it. And then now you're in an argument. As opposed to if somebody says, I loved that movie, and someone says, I hated that movie, the person can't say, no, you didn't, right? Yeah. But if somebody says, that movie sucked, somebody's going, that movie was great. And now energy rises. And how can we use language to heal? And how can we open up possibilities so right. people see that somebody's position is just theirs, doesn't make yours better? I think that's what's happening in our society. And social media 
only propels that forward right, right now. And, and I think that in, to, in addition to what you're saying, that a cousin of labeling is comparison. We compare ourselves to others. Uh, we compare uh, our problem to the other problem. Well, gee whiz, look at his kids. Uh, look at mine. And, you know, uh, I, I need we compare and then we label as a result of that. And that is what we didn't want to happen in the event. We did not want to be sitting there and on a pedestal in your event in, as an expert of ethical non-monogamy. We wanted to be talking about ourselves and you were able to create that environment where we are um, just going through the process and we're still learning ourselves how to deal with our emotion, with our challenges and our conflicts and our jealousy and everything else. It's not an end. It's, the journey has not ended yet. We're just maybe ahead of other people in it. And you were able to orchestrate that and moderate that pretty thank good. You. So kudos to well, you for that. Thank you, my friend. Well, Amir, you know, the thing about it is when I was focused for three years before Unlabel Me on getting young people to vote, but not to vote for someone It was about understanding why it's important to vote, because we're living in a time when a lot of young people don't see the value. They don't think it really matters. And I remember saying about all of this that our role there was called 18. We are all 18. Um, is that I want to be, and I thought of this years ago, um, about the notion of being a mirror, not a guru, right? So when you were saying that you are not an expert, What you are an expert in and what I say to young people when older people want to know what can young people teach me, it's they can teach you what it's like to be alive now and be a teenager and to have empathy and compassion for things that you might not understand right. in your 60s or your 70s or 80s. And the only way to do that is not to be a guru, to simply share your wisdom and perspective, right? You guys are experts at leading your lives And going through whatever ethos you have, that the, you own that. You tell people, we don't know any more than anybody else about anything. This is how we're choosing. And by using storytelling to do that, by simply sharing from our heart, from our spirit, from our kishkas, as I say, we are, we are allowing people to look and say, I always want to do this T-shirt. I think I said this to Tessa a T-shirt that says like, huh, like dot, dot, dot. I never thought of that, you know, or I never looked at it that way. It's just opening your mind, right? Instead of trying to change it. We're living in a society where people want to make people wrong all the time. Looking for a new way to vacation? Learn about the Home Exchange Travel Community from a longtime member on episode 36 of our Open Nesters podcast. Home Exchange is all about swapping homes with other people to enjoy free accommodations while you travel. After our interview with David from the Home Exchange Company and one of their longtime members, Carolyn, we signed up. What better time of life than now as Open Nesters when we have more time, sometimes less money, but we want to live more fully. It will save us thousands of dollars on our vacation costs. I'm hoping to exchange our home with a home somewhere warm for my 60th birthday this January. And I'm excited to try this out and then let our listeners know how it goes. If you're looking for a new way to travel with over 450,000 homes to exchange, Home Exchange might just be for you. And if you use our promo code by the end of February 2022, you'll get 10% off the annual fee. Open Nesters, all caps, Open Nesters with two N's, 10, Open Nesters 10. And it's the listening, it's the deep listening that is so lacking and So that's why I hope this conversation can open up people up to knowing that there, first of all, that there are resources and experts and that have written books in terms of research, but that each experience is unique. And that, and that creating community wherever we are is that discussion so that we could hear other perspectives from right. that deep listening place. So we felt that people were, 
were talking and and listening from their perspective. There was a lot of participation and and you know what what we love about the, what we hope to grow more of in the Open Nestor community is a more engagement and participation right. in the fact that being open is about listening. Well, it, and the Open Nestor is also not just about the open marriage, open relationship, but, but it's also it's it's every challenge that one can get in the Open Nestor mm-hmm. stage. Like, do you feel that? Your biggest challenge right now as an open nester, divorcee, or somebody that has not been married for a long time is their relationship with the kids? Um, well, you know, I, I've, uh, yes, and um, yes. <laughs> I think there's, uh, there's uh, a lot of, I think as we get older, you know, I'm well into my open nesting stage, I'm well into Act Three. I feel like it's the in so many ways I've never been in a better place in my life, right? And in other ways, it's like, you know, getting older is getting older. There's some real joy in the wisdom. There's challenges in the aging process. There's, you know, and that's why I'm so committed to intergenerational work because I believe that as we get older, the biggest gift that we have that is free to give, it doesn't cost us anything, is to share our perspective and wisdom, okay? It's simply sharing that. Amen to that. Okay, awesome. Because the truth is, people want to give this and give that and tell people, and the reason young people often don't want to hear the things that they'll hear from other people older than them, that they don't want to hear from their parents, is because of the agendas that are attached to it, right? right? And they're implicit and they're inborn. And I'm sure you guys can hear things from the friends of your kids that you might not be able to hear in the same way from your own kids, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And this implicit thing is, some, is something that we deal with in this society with certainly sexuality and relationships and commitments. and we And we have this just, assumptions so many oh, assumptions God, oh and God. so and so the idea that we're opening the the this pathway for discussion is what i think you know start, started our conversation between us jonathan and i feel like that is is something that people can can feel that higher frequency of that that's where the totally. that's where the expansion of love is it comes mm-hmm. from that open heartedness that doesn't have a judgment and it's not automatic we always have oh, this God. noise yes. that we have to look at and be aware of and you know the two important things are that awareness and then that regulation and well and we, we all grew up in like most of us grew up in houses where unconditional love was conditional you know what i mean and so lots of us didn't learn from experience. And so how do we bring out into the world when life is experiential? You can't read about what love, you can read about what love is in a book. You could read about disappointment. You could, you know, until you go through things, I often say, you know, we can't keep our kids from disappointment or sadness or all of that, even though lots of parents hurts, want yeah. us to, right? And so how do we allow them to have what, um, you know, there's a parenting show that I definitely want to continue to talk to you guys about that I want to launch for Unlabel Me between, um, you know, let's just say boomers or Gen Gen Xers or what parents and then millennials generally could be Gen Zers. But the relationship with what I call the boomer zennials, you know, this expansive collaboration between Gen Z moving through millennials and up through boomers. This is how we can, you know, work together to bring the best of what we have to offer and how we can open people's minds to seeing like, oh my God, this is exactly what I needed. Because the the assumptions that Tessa was talking about, that's exactly what I have been thinking about relating to assumptions, breed judgments, which breed separation and disconnection from our fellow men and women, right? Right. And storytelling works in the opposite way. Storytelling breeds perspective, which opens your mind. And then it, it spawns more empathy and compassion and then connection to find the ways that we are more similar than different. And, you know, the world isn't working that way. And a friend of mine said to me recently, Jonathan, I don't know anybody in a world like this right now, who's trying to hold the middle as much as you. (laughs) And 
I appreciated that. And I'm a I'm a radical in many ways. And and it's not easy to hold the middle because there's a lot of insanity on one side or the other. And polarization is destroying our ability to have civil discourse about anything, which breeds assumptions. You see somebody, you make an assumption about them, you make a judgment about them, and then boom, you just look at them and you haven't even asked them a question. What's your assumption? Why don't you ask them? What about kids? What, what can people do? I think that the, the more that parents could really see that kids' lives are kids' lives are their lives, right? We can hold the space we could do what we want to launch them. This part daddy, part mommy. And then our kids come like down from another planet, right? They're part their own special being. And how can we give them the tools to become the best version of themselves, right? Instead of having an agenda, I, I've had so many teenagers come to me while I was pretty much doing 18 for three years and tell me that I was the most impactful person in their lives because I was an adult who held the space for them to be them, to declare where they wanted to go to school, that where their dad wanted them, their mother wanted them. It's like, how can you get out of the way and stay open and provide your advice and not cast your judgments? And, you know, as, I, as we know, I mean, in what I've shared, I'm certainly no expert in parenting. So I how do, do know, you do that? How do you how do you get out of the way? Um, well, I think it requires some spiritual awakening and an awareness of what your own shit is to get out of the way. I would say that if our lives are if my life is a series of chapters, my most recent chapter was would probably be called how I learned to get out of my own way, period, better, period. Because I think what we don't know, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> because what we don't, you know, what I want young people to know, by the way, is the kind of wisdom that that people like you and me and others want to share, which is. I think that when we're young, we think, oh, this is my Achilles heel. I can deal with it. I'm going to make it go away. Right. That shit never goes away. It's only whether we're on top of it when we're feeling strong and nothing could really push us down. And then there's a moment when somebody could just like blow on you like a, like on a leaf and it could knock us down because we're feeling at a weak, vulnerable space. And that's how our kids can feel. And the idea that, that it is, I mean, I'm gonna, I want to reflect on a couple of those things is this, they can, we are not going to be the experts for them. And especially when it's not solicited. So exactly. as they become adults, we need to stay totally out of the way until they want to come to us with anything that they can learn, because we can learn and we can teach uh, if we but, really listen. But, but, you know, let's go back to to day one where, where the kid is still crawling and he's trying to put his finger into the electric outlet. And we said, no, don't do that. We try to protect them when they're very young and they don't know. How do we know not that getting out of the way is not going to risk their well-being or their mental state of mind or the direction of the headache is not against a, a, a brick wall that they're going to crash it? How do we know to stay on the <laughs> to stay out of the way in the right way? Uh. Uh, you know, I mean, we, it's a tough question. I, I could make a lot of money. Trying to tap into your wisdom. Right? We just don't know. <laughs> right. I think I think honestly, I mean, there's a lot of lack of awareness out there, you know, in the world. And I think the more we come into a challenging time that we've been through, a lot of people think, oh, we're through this. We're not through this thing called COVID where we're still sort of the world is is still reeling from that. I think awareness and doing personal work on one's own stuff, you know, self-awareness, mindfulness comes out of being conscious. There's no guarantee. When my friend said, oh, it's an epidemic and every one of those people was a beautiful, caring, loving parent, you see that there's no guarantees, right? We have to do what we can, but intuition, right? Self-awareness, really being conscious. If you're married to somebody 
who says it's my way or the highway on doing something, well, that's going to be a tough way to navigate working together, collaboration, and that's sure to breed challenges with children who have to feel that they have to choose one way or the other. That becomes an or consciousness, not an and consciousness. And the thing about languaging is, you know, people say, oh, I mean, I was married to a writer and I used to talk about words she'd use and she'd say, oh, it's just words. And I'd be, wait, 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 what? It's just words? Like words can kill people. Words can incite. Words can cause so much damage. And I just think, you know, I was at this monastery where I'm going back in about a week up in northern Vermont. It's called the Monastic Academy, the Center for Mindful Living. And there was this podcast that they played a year ago where this very well-known, wise woman said, anybody who thinks that they're going to change the world, get off your ego and your high horse. The world is not changing. Society, as we know, is coming to an end. All the constructs that are up for grabs, this is it. What can you do? You can make the world a better place. Do what you can each step along the way. And for me, what I'm trying to do, even in my just, you know, I gave everything I knew as a parent the best I could. I didn't know how to bring up children. I I was the youngest cousin, so I didn't grow up with babies. I learned as I went along, and yet I feel like I put everything into it. And these are the results. And, you know, we often shut off the narrative before before it plays out, right? And I'm, a, I'm certainly unwilling to do that right now. And I'm going to do everything that I can to create open pathways with my kid. And she's an adult. And it takes two to want to engage. You know, there's that old song about the sound of one hand clapping, right? right. And it, it ta- And so... Willingness, willingness, never giving up. I'm somebody who never gives up about stuff. And uh, how do I want my life to be? Um, I want to be prospering being me. Um, At the times when I most prospered in my life was when I was a lawyer and unhappy and unhappily married. And I was trying to be someone who I wasn't naturally. And every time, it took me a long time to realize that every time I tried to conform, I would become a lawyer, I would do this, and I'd start out, and then I, you're, le- you're left with, the, you know, with what you created. And it was like, oh, so I had to do it my own way. And I wanna be able to be as bold a man as women are being in this society. I want to be a voice for all those goddesses out there who are saying, I'm <laughs> dropping in, whether you took Mama Gina, whether you took all of that shit, what the fuck is going on for the men who are on the side who, who are shrinking back because so many men were already intimidated by women anyway. And now women have been had kerosene and lit fuses and step into it. And the men need to be able to step in. And I don't want to be a God. I don't want to be a King. I'm much more about pleasuring the woman because I believe that one of the things I want to do is be part of teaching men that the paradigm that they've grown under about what sex is and what pleasure is has been guided by the male sexuality. And if we only surrender to say, if you like elevate women and you make it about them, them, men are going to get it back in spades. But it it takes men's willingness to want to do that. Yes, let's work to educate men. I'm with you, baby. Yes, and the only way to educate men, in my opinion, because women can be in a room alone, 50 women, 100 women, 200 women. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. You know, Mama Gina teaching you to, like, embrace your inner pussy and all of that. Who's doing this for the guys? And the only way to do it for the men is to have women in the room too. Right. We need conversations between women and men and safe spaces so the guys don't feel like a schmendrick for like talking about what, you know, like, oh, I'm afraid to admit this or a woman instead of saying, you know, there are all these stories about women saying, oh, I wish my husband, I wish my husband, you know, helped more when with the baby and, and did more and did more. And then every time the guy, like comes because he doesn't know shit, but he's trying. And then the minute he does it, 
And she's going, don't do that. Do it this way. Don't do that. Do it right. this way. You know, and so we need those conversations. We need the where conversations. We need safe well, conversations. Right. And the other night proved that we can have them. And I, and I really do hate that right now we are sounding so heteronormative. I've got to, I've got to at least just qualify that because there are so many people exploring their lay their their unlabeling their labeling no. to not be seen in a, in just men and women and to be able to step into how they want to be seen. So let's at least say I don't know enough to be able to be an expert there. But I, I respect that everyone can can step into their best oh, higher I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree. Okay. I couldn't agree more. And how we learn to speak in that language that for some of us who are older, it's sometimes harder, confusing and how to not overthink that. Right. So so it is very much I mean, for me, having grown up straight, I was with people today who were t- telling me about their their uh, 13-year-old and their 17-year-old, and in some ways how uncool it is actually to be straight, you know, in many ways and all the labels that are going on. And it's fascinating to me because we want to turn it all upside down. I mean, the thing about labels is their duality, right? There's something helpful about the shortcut. There's something about, oh, uh, oh, that we get to understand them, but that's the label me to see me. It's getting past that, the unlabeled me to know me that is essential. So we don't limit who somebody is sort of by that. Absolutely. JP. Yeah, yes, my friend. We, we have been inspired again by you. This is uh, uh, it's mutual, the, this, the third or fourth time in the last couple of weeks. I salute you for your wisdom. I salute you for your uh, provocation of uh, inciting and evoking thoughts. Uh, and Tessa and I, as well as the many audience are going to listen to this podcast. So And always with love. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah we I get provoke that. with warmth and love and compassion and empathy. Yeah, for and, sure. and uh, uh, you guys are inspirations to me. Trust me. I well, think of you ever since we've you. met. I just I think about you. I'm inspired by you. And I look forward to us doing more. I mean, the, I, I look forward to maybe we could do an open nesters once a month over here in Greenwich Village. You, you, you got our commitment to do Absolutely. that for sure. Okay. So we want to thank you. Stay around. We'll talk some more. Okay. Uh, thank you very much for being guests on our Open Esters and adding so much value and relevancy to this podcast. Love to you guys. Okay. Here's a preview of our upcoming episode with Pamela Madsen of Back to the Body. And my husband's a love warrior. You know, he's an interesting guy. You know, he he is married to one of the best known sex educators in the United States who has, I do a lot of demos for women so they know how they can open their bodies, how can they move, that eroticism isn't a gynecological examination. Amir, there were so many takeaways from this wonderful interview and whether we want to discuss kids and the idea that we all make assumptions about our kids and that idea that they, they, that they can keep us from disappointment or sadness is never, no matter how much we've raised them and think that we can completely release them, how we hold that and how we release that are so essential to our growth and to allowing their growth is one of the areas. Yeah, kids, I, I agree. It was a very inspiring interview and there's no question jp is very wise very wise very experienced and very very much aware of his surrounding and you know when he says it's our responsibility to share our wisdom i truly believe that i truly truly believe that and getting out of the way I mean, you know, he says how I learned to get out of my own way, period, better, period, because we never actually get there and we don't arrive. Nobody arrives. That's right. But obviously limiting the labels in our lives, you know, we need to limit that in order to really understand better and have and become great centered with our listening, with empathy and compassion. And that's for all people in our lives, how to learn to use language that is more healing and 
you know, the, the, and then he had this great, you know, discussion about how men need, which I know you love so much, <laughs> need, I, I need to kind of discover their the flowers and the flirting and the lingerie and their exactly. feminine. And I love this so much. I yeah. can't wait to see more and, men. And and you know, unconditional love is really conditional. And I, <laughs> and when I think about it, it's like when you say, a common sense is not common anymore. It is one of those paradoxical. Uh, statement that one makes but truly JP is an inspiration and we're truly looking forward to doing more events especially those open nesters and label me unlabel me events in New York City yeah these cool venues that he finds in the village are so much fun so I'm yeah. so looking forward to meeting interesting open-minded people and if you're gonna be in New York make sure you look at our Facebook page and just starting January we'll be doing some more events there yeah and next time we do it we're just gonna record the entire evening because that is an episode by itself and I wish we had the last one recorded but anyway regardless of that there's many episodes to listen to you can tap to all of those treasures on our website, theopenesters.com. Double N in the middle, S at the end, theopenester.com. Fill up our listener survey. Give us some comments, which episode you like to hear about, and just browse around the blogs and read some previous episodes. And if you'd like to join our Facebook community just for the discussion there or find us on Instagram, we'd love to have more of your input on that and find this community growing. You can find us on our closed Facebook page or on Instagram, The Open Nesters. And if you want to also go to Tessa, my page, I'm actually in development. You're going to see it yeah, changing and that. evolving because I'm going to be integrating some of the spiritual components of my work and teaching, and I'm very excited about that as well. So hopefully you'll hear more yeah. soon. Soon. Till next time, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. And we will see you either in a venue in New York, on the radio, Ciao. or somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs>